This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Helen Marie Lounsbury and Walter Galicki. The couple combined their movie collections as well as their households when they married on December 21st, 2019. As Galecki was organizing the collection, he came upon a DVD of a film of typical Hilltown scenes made in 1950 by Ray Murrow. Will the landscape and many of the structures remain the same? The experience of watching the film is like going back in time to an era when women wore dresses and pillbox hats and where children took care of their farm animals and in their free time went swimming in a pond in summer and sledding down a hill in winter, not a screen in sight. Can you tell me how you came across this old footage and who made it, that kind of thing? Well, uh, when, I, when I married this young girl here uh, and moved from Westerlo, where I resided for 30 years, into East Bern, I brought with me, amongst other things, about <laughs> about 5,000 movies on DVD, etc. Only to find out that she had another thousand of her own. So I started merging the the uh, the discs together into one humongous library, and going through her archives of movies. I came across a DVD entitled The Secrets of Burn. So uh, my curiosity said, well, play it. So I did, and that's when I saw a film strip of about 27 minutes of uh, home movies, if you want to call it that, or uh, a travel along down the street in the areas of Burn made in 1950-51, which was converted to a DVD, original film strip, must have been 16 millimeter or so, Uh, the beginning of what we put together shows the name of the company that converted the original film into a DVD format. But of course, it uh, lacked a few items such as sound. The only sound in the background was most likely the mechanical portion of the camera that was used, kind of like, you know, snap, crackle, and pops. So I decided, well, we need something more appropriate music of sorts to go with the era that it was filmed in. So I uh, did some computer wizardry, if you want to call it that and uh, created the the movie file and added a lot of songs to it. But then came the fun part. Who was that person walking? Who who was this person filling up gas, et cetera, et cetera? So that became a major uh, uh, task with all of Marie's contacts. Uh, I posted the, the original film the prototype on YouTube so people could view it and see it. Plus, I guess made copies, and they were legal, of the movie on a DVD for others to view. 
and uh, at the be the beginning, the prelude to the movie and the uh, the finale is a uh, scrolling video we did of the cast of characters of who contributed, <coughs> who uh, starred in it, <coughs> who was recognizable, all the teachers <coughs> and the, the local businesses, proprietors and, and the buildings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's out there on YouTube now, finalized, so to speak, for the world to see. And it's been blessed by YouTube as far as copyrights and stuff like that go. So there's no infringements on it for if anyone, you know, wants it. Or I can always produce DVD copies for anyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to give credit where credit is due, the original person who filmed all this was Ray Morrow. God rest him, of a resident of the town of Bern, and some of us know his nephew, Morris Morrow, uh, who originally shared these films, this one and many others, and then Pat Favreau uh, decided to finance the distribution of it and gave me a copy and she did it through a business that is still in existence uh, what's happening it's on western ave just past hannaford's so when i looked at it with walter i finally remembered that i did have this film from way back when, when I was teaching, Pat was kind enough to share it with me, so I would show it to my class, and I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful piece of the past and gave a, a really good glimpse into a little snapshot of Byrne in the early 1950s and the people and places that comprised our community. Yes, it really does. And there's so many things I need to ask you about that you both have just kind of glossed over. Um, it, it's what struck me, because I grew up in the 50s, um, was how far away that is now, like when you were showing your students. It it seems like a truly another time, whereas having lived through it, I think of it as part of, of life. But let's start with the music. You mentioned that, Walt, that um, you used your computer wizardry, but the songs that you picked are so marvelous for the different scenes. Like I know you have Those Were the Days, My Friend, at one point where it's very appropriate, and you have Ragtime um, in other places where it's appropriate. I just wonder if you could talk a little about how you selected the different music pieces to complement the photography, and also, while you're at it, I understand from Helen 
that you yourself are a musician and were, in fact, a child prodigy on the accordion and played with the likes of Lawrence Welk and Arthur Godfrey. (laughs) So if you could just fill us in on your own musical background as well as how you went about finding the right music for the scenes that were being projected. As a, if I could be allowed to call myself a musician, my early history, uh, when I was, I guess, about seven years old, my parents, for some reason, decided I should play an instrument. Thank God they didn't choose a violin. Because uh, <laughs> my dexterity, uh, eventually, from playing the accordion, uh, I was known as Dizzy Fingers. But... I started taking lessons when I was seven, and when I was like between my eighth and ninth year of existence, somehow I found myself through friends and parents in the music studio in New York City, where I met Arthur Godfrey and Ted Mack, and I played a few songs for them as far as my musical career goes. And Lawrence Welk was in another room with a, a few of his uh, pieces of his band with Myron Florin. Lawrence and Myron Florin were both accordionists. That's how they started. I guess they heard my fingers going on the keys. So I sat there and played a song with them. And, uh, you know, I forget what it was. Most likely a polka of some sort. But that was my my musical career as far as well, the well-known names in the industry. But I did play on WLIB radio Saturday afternoons on the Polish hour, whipping out polkas. And I played in concerts, mostly uh, being a soloist. I was just up on the stage by myself, scared to death, looking at a thousand people sitting in the audience staring at me. But I won a medal once. But, uh, I guess my career kind of ended when when my parents said, no, you go back to school, forget about the big bucks. Mm-hmm. So I went back, I was in school, mm-hmm. but, but I just continued playing, not in a band, uh, not because, uh, well, I, I play in a band pretty good, but I just, I didn't have time anymore for accordions. But I pick it up now and then. That's That was my, uh, my, my musical career. Well, you certainly uh, have an ear for music. I'm sorry, Helen, go ahead. Go ahead. What I was going to say is almost word for word what you just said. So thank you for saying it. That he has an ear for music. He has an astounding memory for musical compositions. And he actually has a a really good singing voice. (laughs) So he would come up with songs that I had long forgotten that he thought would go. And then he had a sense of how long they would play. And I'm astounded by this. When someone can look at a clip of a movie and say, well, that'll be about three minutes now. Those are the days we'll play for and give an amount of time for that. And so 
Those were the days. I wanted to get the the original, the, the more popular song done by Mary Hopkins, which was a vocal. Mm-hmm. So when I tried uh, was it YouTube, uh, it wouldn't let me because it was uh, copyright, or there were certain copyright rules. In other words, I wasn't going to sell this piece of music. I just wanted to use it, but I guess the authors decided, well, if you want to, if you want to pay us royalties and such, which I wasn't ready to do, so I put the instrumental on, and that went through. I think the instrument. I think the instrumental works better with with that piece because you know the words and you're humming them in your head, but you're focusing on the image and the, you know, the music is kind of heightening it without overtaking it. But some of the ones with words, I had never heard of this. Deary, life was cheery in the good old days gone by, and the words for that are just marvelous. Um, I don't know where that song came from, but it's perfect where you have it in the movie. Yeah, that's that's a very old song with Doris Day and Dan Daly yeah. uh, singing it. And fortunately, very old people were <laughs> making vocal and uh, instrumental selections. And your point is well taken. We went back and forth on how many people of today would actually know the lyrics and understand the message embedded in the music. You know, for example, I I know that it, to me, could almost bring tears to your eyes. And some of the people that helped us, some of the early residents who are still around and were helping us a great deal, they kept expressing one of the themes of the songs, which was what I wouldn't give to be back with that old gang of mine. Yeah, and it so does. That the choices. Yeah. It, it, um, um, music has a way of hitting your emotions in a way that nothing else does. I can imagine, you know, if that song was part of your era and you would be thinking in a misty-eyed way of your old gang. And uh, that's one of the marvelous things about this movie is even for someone like myself, who's a relative newcomer, I mean, I've been covering the Hilltowns for, I don't know, 35 years, which is new in Hilltown time. I think I recognize like a young size Stevens pumping gas, for instance. But um, I didn't know a lot of the other faces. And if you had those touchstones from having been an old-timer in the Hilltowns, the movie would have incredible resonance, I would think. Have you heard? I, I, yeah, and actually, as, as I believe I've shared with you, <clears throat> despite what many people think, I grew up in New Jersey, and, of course, Walter is from Brooklyn. So we went to the people that I knew that I thought would remember these things that were lifetime residents. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so we <clears throat> we showed it over to them and without music at first. And they shared, and it was 
And Walter, of course, was going insane because I would say to Walter, all right, Walter, stop it right there. And then someone like Jerry Cross or Milton Hart, uh, just to name two, um, would say, oh, yeah, and I remember when we did this. And then they would go into a 15-minute discussion of life at that time. And although many things have changed, visually, Burn in a way is a place that time has forgotten because going down the main street, a lot of the houses are still standing. And, you know, people would say, oh, too bad that Wilsey Sherwin's house burned or, you know, comments like that. And then they would continue to almost reconstruct the place before your eyes. And it, it was very touching what they shared with us. And they all ended up saying the same thing, like Barbara Snyder, for example, um, who it would be, who would be Ethel Snyder's uh, daughter-in-law, uh, who owned one of those gas stations. You know, she was she was so touched, and she said it brought back so many memories. And uh, they would just share all kinds of things that I just wish we could have shared, you know, with the film. But one of my big worries is that we were going to make an, a wrong identification, you know. But... Uh, we tried to cross-check it with a lot of different people. Well, the astounding thing, after the the visual feast that's presented with the musical background, is just the painstaking research that must have gone into, after the film is over, just so our listeners who haven't seen it will know, um, it comes up as print, um, screen after screen, it scrolls down of who is in the different pictures and what the different buildings are. And just, it's like a history of the hill towns. Um, after you've just eaten this visual feast, you can then unpack it into the little nitty gritty details. And it's just, it's amazing. And also, you know, as I being stunned on how much life has changed. You're right. The buildings, it starts with an opening scene of driving along. Is that Route 150? What what route is that, the opening scene? Helderberg Trail? And yes. then you start seeing various scenes of people, like you mentioned pumping gas. There were two women pumping gas. Um for customers wearing dresses. And you forget even just now how it was that women dressed and in the church scene, you know, with their hats on. <laughs> and you just, it's, it's jarring because it's at once familiar as well as different from how things are now. I mean, if you could just either one of you talk a little about... Um, the experience of working so closely with history um, as you're unpacking who's who and what's what, 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 what that experience was like. There were seven revisions to that first. <laughs> and uh, I haven't started. Well, we did start it yet. There's going to be a sequel. 
In other words, it's not going to be 70 years ago, 1950. It's going to be burned 2020. <gasps> oh, my gosh. In, you have... In, in, in Technicolor, <laughs> we widescreen CinemaScope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been... We were working in conjunction with Marilyn Miller, Siegel. Nardolillo. Uh, Nardolillo, and... Uh, who is, as I'm sure you know, but for your listeners, uh, part of the Miller family, and the Miller family was extraordinarily helpful. Ralph Miller, of course, was our town historian for a long time, and Harold Miller was kind enough to contribute information from where he lives now in Mexico because he does the burn website, and another tremendous resource was a book that came out a long time ago called Our Heritage, um, when Rita Stapleton was alive and she was the driving force behind that book. She was then our historian, and she was also a teacher in Bern, and she had a great deal of detail. So we relied heavily on that and other sources. So I was interested that you mentioned how you would show it to the school children when you were teaching at Burn Knox Westerlo. Just tell tell us a little about their reaction um, as modern kids, <laughs> but still in the same in the same locale as you know the scenes that they see every day, but somehow different well I I don't know whether they were excited because it was a break from pencil and paper or you know and the fact that any video experience was always associated with relaxation and a good time but they all seemed quite interested and especially because they could see the houses and many of them, many of the children lived in those homes or knew people that did. Mm -hmm. That helped. And then at that time, I used to bring in to the classroom Risa Stapleton to make commentary. And I wish I had been smart enough then to... Uh, tape the things that she shared with us. So she was able to give a lot. And I personally, as an educator, we tied it with, I tied it with a historic tour of Bern on the, on a school bus. And Rita would come and narrate the tour and point out things. And she would lay out the route to tie it into what we did. Uh, and what they saw in the film. And then we did a follow-up activity where they, on the main street of, of Bern, <clears throat> they took on the names of people who lived earlier in Bern, like in the 1850s to go back. And something that made it really connect with children was the fact that they recognized a lot of the surnames. 
because a lot of those people were still living in Bern. Yeah, you mentioned Hal Miller, and I remember talking to him once soon after his book came out, and he said when he was in kindergarten, he looked around and realized he was related to a lot of his classmates. <laughs> you know, this idea that there have been families that have stayed in Bern for generations upon generations. So, yes, those names would still be there. That's that's wonderful. Right. Well, That's I, why the Golds and the O'Malley's, when we moved in in the later 50s, said they the whole town of Bern, the whole hill could thank us for enhancing the gene pool. You know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I wonder if you have either, either or both of you any particular favorite scenes. I myself was struck by the, some of the animal scenes, and maybe this is still true. I don't live in the hill towns, but there seem to be such close personal relationships, not just with the usual, you know, cats and dogs that we all have, but with rabbits, with cows with <laughs> horses or ponies. I mean, they just seemed like such an integral part of life. And there were so many scenes that uh, were so memorable, just f- filming the animals and people's interaction with them. But I don't know if you have comments on that or some of your own favorite scenes from having worked with this for so long and so closely. Well, the Louise were in it quite a bit, the Louise family. And, uh, they married into other families in Bern, like Janice LeBlee was married to Pete Basler, for an example. And yes, I, I wish that I could find, there, there was a close connection, and I wish that I could locate, again, a copy that I had left at school of a different movie that Mr. Morrow had made which was of the Memorial Day Parade in the mid-50s. And I also showed that to students. And that had additional information, but it's so long ago I was afraid to rely on my own memory. But one of the things that stood out for me with that movie was that as Mr. Morrow came down the street, he identified every dog and cat by name with oh, ease. Oh, wow. That really struck me, yeah. what a tight community it was, you yeah. know, and... Yeah, not uh, just to greet the people, but to know their dogs. Well, who yeah. exactly was Mr. Morrow? I mean, what drove him to do this kind of filming? Who, who was he? Well, I never met him, and I don't know much about him except for, um, like, Marilyn uh, recalled going regularly to the movies in a small building, which we which we referenced, uh, where he showed some first-run movies that might be in theaters, and also... Uh, some that he had made. And so he was a bachelor, I know that, and um, Morris Morrow was was raised in his home, and I got that secondhand, so 
I don't know all the details, but I'm, and Morris is now, you know, resides in Florida, and um, I was not able to get in touch with him. But, uh, you know, he was certainly responsible for preserving a piece of the past that I think many of us would never know about. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, what about the titles that flash up in white? Are those things you created, Walter? Or was that something that Mr. Morrow had... They were part of the original film. They were. Did did you have any sort of a discussion or decision-making on the one tiny segment that seems a little controversial, which is including the minstrel show? Is that something that certainly was a part of the history of communities across the nation at one time, but now, of course, is seen as inappropriate. Was there a, a decision about whether or not to include that, and how did that go? You, it's, it's, for the most part, uh, unrecognizable. Yeah, blurry. It's the original film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just mentioned mm-hmm. as a minstrel show. Right. We did not. Uh, we did not alter the film or censor it. No, or censor it. This is the way life was then, and it was something. I guess it says in the background on this. It said it was the fourth annual min- minstrel show, mm-hmm. and I guess it took place in. What is now the it's the Senior Citizen Center? Most people recognize it as such, and it was the Grange Hall then. And of course, the Grange, being a a farming organization, was very, very important in that time. And I think it was just a way of people coming together and um, doing what other communities were doing across the nation. Yes, we we face that with the newspaper every week in our back in time because there's certainly things in there that we wouldn't be writing now, but we figure it's part of history and we should be accurate. Um, so, Walter, did you have any particular favorite scenes in the in the movie that stood out for you as exciting? I was too busy. <laughs> I was too busy finding music. Well, I didn't have a problem finding the, the the first four songs which were Marvin Hamlish uh, my one of my favorite movies is The Sting with uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman of course mm-hmm. and I sort of like see I've seen the movie many times and sort of the music is just uh, I listen to a lot of music mm-hmm. classical as well as well as country I'm not too much into Heavy metal, rock, rock and roll, old rock and roll from the when I first started in the late fifties. To me, with uh, I still listen to the oldies. Uh, I'm not into new music except new age, which I like to use in documentaries when I get into a documentary producing mode. For instance, like a walk through nature and. Uh, Trees and flowers budding and animals and cats and dogs running around. I'll, 
I'll find some appropriate music for that. Well, the marriage of the music with the pictures is what makes it. It just, it's just wonderful. Our time has gone so fast, and I wonder maybe for closing, if you could talk a little about you're working now on a modern Hilltown film, um, capturing... Well, we have, we have about three hours worth of videos and photos that we took recently. Uh-huh. We, we took with the same drive through but we stopped more and, and devoted more time and clarity to, for instance, the the honor roll in the town park. Oh, yes. Honor. I meant to mention and, that because in the memorial sequence, there is that original honor roll that uh, an Eagle uh, Scout recreated that has kind of fallen into disrepair. And, yeah, that's neat. Well, that, that, this is going to be my winter project to create something <laughs> with, of course, I'm not going to go into, in the modern music area, most likely will be some some good country and western, like, uh, hey, Mr. Bartender. <laughs> no, not that one. Not really. <laughs> wow. Well, I just think you've given a gift to the hill towns and the rest of us off the hill. It's just wonderful to see, and people can go to YouTube. And what what is it that they would type in? How would it come up? What's the the key phrase? Well, if you want, if you want to see my all my videos on YouTube, I can either I did only about a dozen. It's cats and dogs and stuff like that, and of course this one. Um, you can go to YouTube and key in the phrase, the word. It's one word, upper or lowercase, doesn't matter. Old Doss Dog, O-L-D-D-O-S-D-O-G. That's my name on YouTube. And we have to and ask, we- where does that name come from? Old Doss Dog. Back in the early days of computing, DOS was the Microsoft's, ah. uh, was an explanation, but it meant the disk operating system, DOS. Yeah, right. And I'm old, <laughs> and I'm a dog. I'm the old DOS dog. And you were in, involved in computers when you were with Citibank, you were what, 16, 17? Well, Citibank, I graduated high school when I was 16. And with more credits, not that it's a big deal, more credits than I needed. And I got, I was 16 and a few days away from my 17th birthday. So here I thought, wow, I've got the summer off before I have to do anything in my life. My father says to me, no way, get out and get a job. So I got myself a summer job in July of 1959 at Citibank in in New York. And that that summer job lasted 30 years. (laughs) Because I received from them in 1989. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, the first few years I was a bookkeeper and stuff like that. But then I got, these are all mainframe computers, not your little laptops. This is stuff that filled up a city square block 
of mainframes and hard drives and disk drives and printers and such. And then my last 10 years at Citibank, I was I ran their micrographics laboratory, computer output micrographics. I produced microfilm and microfiche. And then I retired and uh, got a job here, up here when I moved here in 1990 with Trusco Bank. Former president and CEO Robert A. McCormick was once a city banker in New York City. Hmm. When he heard that I was looking for a job, he hired me immediately. He figures that anybody who could last 30 years in New York City, he wanted. <laughs> oh, I worked for Trusco for 18 years. I retired in 2008. And my wife got sick, and uh, so I retired, stayed home, took care of her. And meanwhile, I'm putting around with computers, rebuilding them, repairing them. Uh, creating what I call Frankenstein units. I might take five or six old dilapidated and from the, the dead parts of all these computers build a good one. Hmm. So I, I, I donate them to the to the schools. In fact, I donated a half a dozen to the Westerlow. They moved out of the building. The Westerlow uh, uh, Episcopal, was it Episcopal school? There was a Christian no, no. school in the Westerlo, in the old Westerlo West. school building. There was the Helderberg Christian school briefly was there yeah. before it, it moved over it, to Burke. It was too. But in the meantime, I just dabble with software and uh, ideas and stuff like that. That's wonderful. Uh-huh. Well, do either of you have any closing thoughts for our listeners on on either your current movie project or this wonderful look at the past? Well, my closing thoughts, number one, (laughs) is my beautiful wife here keeps broadcasting me to the world. (laughs) Uh, I had only one instance with Arthur Godfrey, Ted Mack, and Lawrence Welk for about an hour or two. I I wasn't on TV, because back in those days, you were lucky if you had a TV in your home. Yeah. Um, they did film, but I can't find me anywhere on the internet. I mean, you can Google my name, and you'll see me. You know, with well, my name and address and such. But uh, well, you probably could have found him on some post office walls, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, I just think it's wonderful that you are newlyweds and lovebirds at this age. It gives me hope for the future. And I thank you for creating this wonderful look at the past. And I hope people key it up and take it in. So thank you very much. <laughs>